Welcome, everybody. This is BMW Weekly, episode 152. In the BMW Weekly, we'll talk about the latest in Microsoft 365 platform and in the features in general. My name is Esa Yuvonen. I'm a program manager in the Microsoft 365, uh, Microsoft 365 platform side of the house. <laughs> and with me as a co-host is Waldek. So quick intro. <laughs> Hey everybody, my name is Valdek Mazdikas and I am Cloud Developer Advocate for Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. You do a much better job on your title than I do. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Today we'll have a, a discussion with Hugo Bernier and, and actually let's let's uh, speed up the things a bit. So let's jump directly to that, that discussion and we'll do a quick summary after the interview on uh, that. But let's jump in there. So welcome, Hugo, and to the BMP Weekly, episode 152. You've been actually in the BMP Weekly. Um, maybe we should have actually done some research. Well, in the 80s, <laughs> in the 80s, I think. Yeah, I think it was 80s. 80s. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's been 82 years. Was it a year ago or two years ago now? I think it was like two years ago. Might be, actually. Might be. You were, uh, um, you were an MVP anyways. at the time, right? That's right. That's right. So, but something has happened between that, and I and maybe not everybody knows what has happened. So, can you talk about what are you doing nowadays, and who are you? And do a quick intro. Well, I'm Hugo Vernier, and uh, I am now a Microsoft uh, Cloud Solution Architect. Uh, I've been at Microsoft for uh, eleven months now, so it's kind of uh, it's been surreal, honestly. Uh, so, I do that during the day and. You know, at night, I usually work on community initiatives like sharing is caring, working on samples and solutions and things like that, and pretty much anything else that I need to do. And and before before you came to Microsoft, what what were you actually doing? So how did you get to Microsoft? Can you talk about that? Why why why? Well, he applied and we hired him. <laughs> That's how it works. Thank you, Waldek. So the next question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I've been working as an independent consultant for probably the better part of twenty years, um, and so I always had multiple clients, and my whole shtick was to look at companies that had tried and failed to implement some solutions. Usually by the time I got there, it was a second or third time they had tried to do something. And, and you know, I was usually there to make sure that they would be successful. And uh, I worked really closely with Microsoft. And it was interesting because when I actually told people, hey, I'm joining Microsoft, the, the two things that I heard was, uh, we thought you already worked for Microsoft and uh, it's about time. So <laughs> yeah. I think it was, uh, kind of a foregone conclusion that it would join Microsoft, and it's just, you know, weird to be to be able to say that. But yeah, I work for Microsoft. And and you've been so so. What is your day job then? What do you do actually do on day job at Microsoft? So cloud solution architects are people who come in after customers have acquired licenses for you know a product. I I focus on the Power Platform, and I help customers that just have licenses and they're like, I don't know how to use this. I don't know how to take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm there to help them kind of look at removing barriers to adoption and you know increasing adoption. So things like in the Power Platform, for example, we look at uh, establishing governance and you know establishing a center of excellence and, and looking at ways that maybe customers haven't thought about using the Power Platform or parts of the Power Platform where Maybe you know they uh, we can save them a lot of time. So an example yeah. of this is, you know, uh, I have a large customer that they wanted to take all their vaccine attestations and have people upload vaccine attestations. And when I was talking to them, they're like, "Oh yeah, so we're going to audit vaccine attestations randomly. We're just going to look at individual documents." And so we're talking about like two hundred thousand uh, vaccine attestations. And I was like, or you could use, you know, AI services to actually identify outliers. And that way you don't have to manually just try to go find bad documents. The system will will look at them for you. So that's the kind of stuff that I do. Um, It's fun. Every customer is different. Just to clarify on that one, for those who are not super familiar, but that, that is actually kind of a nice thing that what Microsoft does do for the larger customers, especially as part of the, the acquisition of the licenses, you will actually be assigned, uh, well, not one by one sign, but but you have an opportunity to actually get these architects in place and then basically show the power of the platform and show 
what dollar sizes can be done. So it's not just about basically, I'm sold, we sold it, yeah, I don't care anymore. It's just, yeah, just, <laughs> and, and I'm out. No, 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 it's, it's actually we want our customers and partners to really, really, truly be successful on the platform and understand what is the value. Um, and of course, if you think about from a business perspective, we want to do that so that they will renew the licenses because that's just good business. Um, yeah. So is that happening, by the way, just out of curiosity, putting you on oh, the spot? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think there's, if you think of, for example, large you know, government agencies that have PDF forms that have been sitting there since 1980, right, that are on the website, or, I mean, I'm sure they were not on the website in 1980, but, you know, they... <laughs> They have these forms that they ask people to, <laughs> to fill in on a PDF uh, yeah. when we can actually show them how they can use, for example, model-driven apps in Power Platform and expose those model-driven apps through portals and yeah. add all the validation and everything. So remove duplication of data, you know, all that stuff. And then from that point, they have you know a dataverse environment that they can use to manage all these applications. And it's core to their business. So they're not going to... Well, hopefully, they're not going to go away from using the Power Platform, uh, and it leads to a lot more. Uh, you know, because I'm a, a solution architect, I'm not just focusing on Power Platform. I look at the bigger ecosystem, like how does it fit to you know with SharePoint and Microsoft 365 and everything. So, yeah. I love it. It's fun. Um, if you, I kind of if miss those look, customer cases, to be honest, as well. <laughs> but if, that doesn't mean that I have time us. to actually do that. Anyway, so, sorry, just to be super clear, don't send me emails, please, please. <laughs> Dear Vesa. <laughs> Hugo, if you, if you look at back at the last year, years of work across the, in the different engagement you've had, do you see like a common thread across all of them? Like a typical challenge somebody will have or a common place where, where people are and common next step you want to take, or is it really all over the place? I, I think the common thing, it, it, I kind of joke about it when I, when I talk with my boss, where I say, hey, you know, it's great. I'm measured on increasing Power Platform adoption. However, the first question the IT administrators ask me when we talk about Power Apps is, how do I turn this off? And the reason for that... <laughs> It's not because they don't see the value, right? They, they see the value of, of embracing the Power Platform and everything, but they're concerned about shadow IT, right? People Too much crazy. value. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to go directly to the database and update the database. So the key to, to this is, at least in large organizations, is governance, right? So putting in place a real rigorous process that allows you to empower your users to create the solutions they need while still creating a secure environment. And I, I guess the, the best way to compare it is when we moved to this house, uh, we had a backyard. Beautiful, beautiful looking living room. Oh, sorry, break room. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I like the colors. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know how they say that every 40 seconds uh, a person gets into an accident? Well, that person is my son. Right, he uh, he's so clumsy. He gets into accidents like all the time. He's always bleeding. You know, he's very clumsy. Uh, so when we moved here, we had a playset in the backyard and we had a pool, and we wanted to create a secure environment where our children can go play outside and be safe. Especially for Sam, that's you know again will injure himself somehow. Um, and so what we did is we actually created, we put a fence between the pool area and the playset area, and we put rubber mulch in the, the playset area so that he could just jump off the top of the playset and not hurt himself. Um, and when we needed, when we wanted to go to the pool, then they could do it with adult supervision. Yep. Yep. So same idea here with Power Platform, right? Let's create environments where people can actually do their jobs and have fun without hurting themselves. And if there's something that's maybe more, um, you know, needs to be more IT supported, IT managed, and we have a different environment where we can we can do that. Um, you know, and the thing, um, it's easy to build Power Apps, but it also means that it's easy for people to build really crappy Power Apps. And that's the thing that we have to be careful about. Is, is achieving that balance. And so that's the number one theme across all customers is, you know, we want to do it. We just want to establish more governance. <laughs> when you look at the customers to whom you talk, right? Like, do you see that folks, like, there is this joke, like, like who reads a manual? Do you see that folks, like, really try to get hands-on, you know, I have this available, I'm going to build an app, 
or do they follow our courses, go on learn, learn how to do it and then do it? Or really just like, you know, like let let, let me do things. It's it's a lot of, uh, hey, I didn't know this feature was available. Let me click on it and let me see how far yeah. I can go. And it's yeah. a testament to how the platform is built that people can actually build lots of really cool stuff without ever looking at documentation. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's interesting, like usually, uh, by the time I, I start talking to some of these customers, they've done amazing solutions, some solutions that are already in production, everything. And they haven't read any documentation, any best practices or anything <laughs> like that, which is uh, amazing, right? Um, yeah. But that's also the opportunity. Is yeah, and that's the, that's the challenge from an IT perspective, coming back on kind of reiterating uh, the, the IT's let's say, role, because somebody might think that, well, why is IT then demanding that governance? Why is it actually needed? But then we need to remember, and I guess, Hugo, you're saying this then as part of those engagement, that something when there's an app which is then super successful, which hasn't been under IT's surveillance, and all of a sudden something happens and, and the system goes down, who are the people going to blame? Mm-hmm. Well, IT. Because IT, IT is responsible <laughs> of running those things. So, so it's the ITs, and CIOs, teams, organizations, CTO teams, whatever it is to set up, responsibility to make sure that the services and products are working properly. So, if if they're not known, so they're part of the shadow IT setup, and then something goes sideways, and then there's business opportunities getting lost because of that reason, they kind of point finger to the IT and say. You didn't hit the jump, so yeah. it's not but that I guess IT it's also, necessarily, necessarily bad. That's my point on this. So, but I guess it's also an interesting point, right? Because like, especially when you have the ability for everybody to create things, how do you go about it? Which solutions you onboard with the IT and which you don't, yeah. right? Because like, you you cannot throw everything at the IT because mm-hmm. they don't scale for that, right? Which is why exactly. In first place, we empower people to let them build whatever sure. things they need for their work. Yeah. But then going back, how do you go about detecting this high value or high demand or Im- Im- important apps in a way to onboard with with the IT? And which are you like, you know, what? like this is a personal thing. We're just just going to keep yeah. this as is. So that's actually the, the first thing to recognize, I think, is that governance is not one size fits all. Right. You have to think about, well, maybe there's different governance models. And if we look at the SharePoint, you know, example, um, you know, I remember talking to customers where they were like, oh, the marketing department wants to control every content in SharePoint. And I'm like, yeah, so you want, you know, the marketing department to fo- to control what the IT team is going to be putting on their SharePoint site? And, oh, yeah, we need to review everything. We need to approve everything. Right. And obviously, that doesn't. Okay. That doesn't live, and <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you've heard these customers before. Yeah, and so eventually we get them to understand that you know there's different tiers of of governance, right? One which is more uh, compliance driven, and uh, you know maybe that's preventative, like for example the CEO's page, right? Which probably should only be written by the CEO or the or the marketing team. And then there's like my personal site, my team site, and you know my things like that, which is more audit base, right? Let's just let people create the content they need and then let's go back yep. and, and make sure that no inappropriate content is stored. So same thing with the Power Platform where you look at, well, I have maybe IT-led initiatives uh, that are mission critical, that are used by everyone in the organization. I have IT-supported initiatives where maybe IT didn't have time to create the entire solution, but maybe they can create the infrastructure to support it, like APIs, PCF controls and things like that. And then I have the kind of um, personal productivity initiatives that are, I need my team and I to be able to automatically do this, but it's not mission critical, it's not anything, and I don't need anybody else to support me. And when you start looking at it from that perspective, then things start kind of fitting into place because it's like, okay, you know, I understand how uh, a maker probably doesn't want to start using GitHub and DevOps to actually uh, store their code in source control, but there's some tools that we can use to actually make that process easier without them ever having to go kind of go through GitHub and yeah. and DevOps. Yeah. yeah, does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It does. 
and and yeah. it's basically the, the, it's the explanation why the whole why well it's the there's no single yes and no answer in any of this stuff it always dependent uh, on the customer cases and that's why we need solution architects like you go like you or a consultants who come there ask the right questions and then adapts Mm-hmm. the best practices which is a wrong term to say the good practices uh within the organization there's no best practices yeah. because best one man practices. Practices. Well, it's exactly. always best so. in the context of right like yeah, it's yeah, not exactly. the best exactly. everybody it's the best exactly. in context of right yes, yes. so it's interesting it. yeah, yeah, i was gonna say like i've I've been doing the same thing uh, for, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 years. Yeah, I started when I was two. Um, but I, every single customer is different because of that reason, right? Yes. Even though it's the same topic, it's the same conversation, um, the outcome is very different. And that's what makes yep. it interesting for me because I get bored yep. really quickly. Yep. Well, but, yeah, but it's also that like humans, I can... Different I, people, chemistry and all yeah. of that. So. Yeah. And I can imagine that over the course of years, like you've seen the same needs being answered in different ways, but it's still the same thing. Like people need to solve the same problems. And I mean, maybe the places that they used to, maybe way back when they they did it in notes, then maybe in v, VBA, in Excel, I don't know, and now Power Apps. Like it's it shifts where people solve their, their needs, but mm-hmm. the problems are still there and are, and are yep. still the same, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is something that we've talked about in the past where I'm I'm autistic and, you know, I'm kind of I feel it's important to talk about neurodiversity. Um, and uh, as an autistic person, I I find patterns in everything I do. Right. And it, I, I establish processes and methodologies and frameworks, but I see patterns in everything. And that's definitely patterns that I see with customers. It's like it doesn't matter if they're talking about you know, Lotus Notes or or SharePoint or Power Platform. Access. The same patterns are coming <laughs> over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's where the human interactions and humor, that's where why this idea is still people business, because it's all about having that discussion, understanding requirements truly, and not just making IT driven decisions and you'll take this tool and make stuff happen. I said, no, I don't know how to use this. (laughs) But it's also also an interesting thing, right? Because like if you, especially for folks who have been around for a longer time, right? There is this sentiment that oh my god things change so quickly and i need to keep up and pace is high and and i'm obsolete like that's not the case right because oh, if no. you if you unpack the problems the, like the first perception whether it's power ups or whatever it is if you unpack that eventually you will find the same problems as we said as people had in the past it's just a different aspect right and i guess that that is exactly where the experience comes into play because you have that perspective and experience and you can look at it like, wait a minute, like this is the same thing. And sure, mm-hmm. the technical answer at the end will be different, but the problem is really the same. And very much like depending on complexity, problem isn't often the tech. It's the people oh, behind it, the processes, the agreement, agreements, and also the way you communicate any change at all. And that's, that's the true. same thing, right? That's the same thing we've been doing over the years. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's it's an interesting conversation because when I'll talk to, you know, more senior IT developers, right, and we're talking about the platform, they're like, ah, I can build this a lot faster, you know, from scratch using, I don't know, C Sharp or React or whatever. And I'm, like, I'm the same way. Like, I'll, I'll look at something and I'll be like, I could build this in SharePoint Framework in no time, or I can do it as a Power App. And maybe for me, it would take a little bit longer because I'm not as good with like Canvas driven apps as I am maybe with model driven apps and things like that. But the argument that I'll make with them is, yeah, that's a valid point, but um, it it's based on two assumptions. One is that the requirements are 100% correct. And how many projects in your entire career have you been on that the, the requirements <laughs> were correct from the start? Yeah. And and two is it's based on the fact that the requirements are not going to change ever after the solution's been deployed. Sure. And you know, organizations sure. that have survived through COVID and things like that are the ones that were able to adapt quickly. And they were able to do so because they had systems in place that would allow them to to 
you know, suit their changing business needs. And so this is where the difference between, let's say, something that I would do in Power Platform or something that I would do it in C Sharp uh, comes in. If it's an infrastructure, an API that is never going to change because that's never going to change in the last 10 years within the organization, maybe it's an API that I use to actually feed to the backend systems. Uh, but if it's a, a form that changes every year because of the new regulatory compliance or whatever, you know, the business rules, then, yeah, maybe I can get a SharePoint developer to build an SPFX web part or a Viva, you know, adaptive card or something like that. Or maybe I can actually let the business build the form themselves, right? And I'm focusing on where I can add value uh, with the infrastructure. So it's an interesting conversation. For sure, for sure. Now, from a timing perspective, let's flip a bit on a different topic um, because you've been the also things you do in the evening, evening yes, exactly, <laughs> as a hobby. As so, can, can you talk about a bit on on your involvement in the community and and open source side of the house? Yeah. Uh, so, my my thing has always been um, I learn by example, right? I I love when I learn a new technology, I love reading the entire documentation once and then, you know, I won't remember it, but I'll remember, oh, wait a minute, I remember there's a function that does this, I can look it up, I can do whatever. But often the documentation is not really well suited for here's how to actually use it, right? They'll give you some little code snippet, but it doesn't show you how, where to fit it into the page or in the process and things like that. And that's where to me samples are awesome. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, adaptive cards, web parts, power platform. The best way to learn is by looking at something. Um, and that's where I've been focusing a lot of my efforts is creating kind of repositories or maintaining repositories to to create samples around all these things. And uh, the one area that I focus on is obviously uh, SharePoint framework and uh, web parts and extensions. And it's been it's been interesting because we're always, always uh, adding new versions of SharePoint framework. We're always adding new samples. The community is doing an amazing work with, with creating samples. And it's yep. not like we have to beg people, hey, please do this. Like people are willing to share their, their samples. And I, I love that. The yep. only challenge is, you know, with every version of SharePoint Framework, it's compatible with a different version of Node, for example, or different yes. versions of Node. And so we've had samples. I mean, Waldeck, I think you created one of the first samples ever. In with the, the, with in the, the web part. That's right. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Which was Those built in SharePoint like, Framework version 0. Huh. Point, I don't know. Yep. Yeah, I guess. Early. Did we, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, I remember when we created that, or while they created that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the number one request. It's, it's always the weather. So. Yeah, it's <laughs> been 84 years. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the challenge is, uh, I mean, I opened, uh, I looked at three issues that were opened by the community today, this morning. All three of them were people trying to download the web part, trying to, or the sample, trying to get it to work. And they say, it doesn't work. But if you look at the, the the version of Node that they're using, it's not compatible with the version of yeah. SharePoint Framework that the web part was built in. And so therein lies the challenge is how do we, how do you create something that allows the community to keep on learning and going randomly picking samples and not having to reinstall their entire machine, right? Like we're no, not if we don't only we back. had something in this space, right? If yes, only. If only. <laughs> if only. Well, introducing. <laughs> so that's actually what I've been working on. Funny is, you mentioned uh, that. <laughs> uh, and Waldeck, thank you for helping me with this. But one of the things that we've been doing is we've been creating uh, remote containers or uh, dev containers for, in Visual Studio Code so that you can actually open the solution uh, in the, the environment in which basically the, the solution was built to work in, right? So Waldeck, since the first version of uh, SPFX has been creating uh, Docker containers that that are designed to basically match the environment. Like this is perfect for SharePoint 141, this is perfect for whatever 114, here's the right version of Node, Gulp and everything. Everything is pre-configured. And so what we've done is we've basically taken these containers and we've introduced them to every sample. So if you go uh, and we're going through every single sample, we're going to we're going to have it to every sample uh, eventually, but 
we go through and we say, okay, well, this web part was designed for SharePoint framework, you know, one twelve one. Here's the here's the environment that will work. Yep. And so that the cool thing about that is anybody can now, um, as long as they have Docker installed on their workstation, they can actually go and Visual Studio Code. They can open the solution in that container, and it will run it basically in a you know um, in a virtual machine, I guess, that's within their workstation that has the right version of Node and everything. It's, it's kind of but like you can also, but you, you But you, you can also open it on the web in code spaces, right? Yes, and that's actually where we're going with this, is that eventually, like, the imagine the ability to say, you know what, I don't want to download this whole sample. I don't want to configure my machine. I just want to actually open it in the web, in code space, or connect to a remote code space container that's actually not on my machine, that's actually hosted in the in the cloud somewhere. And that's just amazing. Like, think about the barrier to, you know, for someone to pick up a sample or to even get started. But, but the cool thing also is if you apply this technology to, or this approach to your internal solutions, like how many times as a as a developer did you have to open uh, a solution, right? Like remember the old Visual Studio days yep. where it was like, oh, I have all these DLLs and I have all these dependencies and things like that. Yeah. Oh, well, like first you need to install two gigs of updates. Yeah, true. Yeah. Always <laughs> when you open up Visual Studio Code. Yes. Visual Studio <laughs> IDE. Yes. Yeah. Yes. An update pending. Okay, fine. But that's the thing. <laughs> I'm going to take a like, coffee. You know, <laughs> what's, the, what's the barrier for a new developer to join the team? Right? Uh, and how many times, I'm sure, Vesa, you've said this, where it's like, I can't even put this developer on this initiative because the time for them to get onboarded with this and get set up and everything, we're not going to be well, able I mean, to... In the past, in, in past, we worked around it with VMs, right? So we would, yeah. we would walk around with these big external disks, this <laughs> two terabytes or more, and yeah. they had yeah. really big rig-sized adapters to to have them on power because they were that big. And we would run VMs, and you would have like 50 gig VM. There you go. Vesa still has one. <laughs> it's go. covered in dust. But I yes. bet it has just the right SharePoint 2010 image to I run guess it has, one yeah. particular problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? So, so like, yeah, so that was it's the same problems we had over years, and that that, that is how we addressed it in the past. Now it just got more convenient, I guess. Yeah, I, I used to work for a consulting company where every client engagement, the client would give a laptop that was specific to you know their requirements. And then they would take the laptop, they would actually virtualize it and put it in a server rack somewhere in, um, so that we can actually do our work. But imagine the infrastructure required to be able to like... Do you, yeah. So I want to update a weather web part. Now I need an entire kind of, you know, server farm to be able to do that. Yes, it's yes. crazy. And that's where dev yeah. containers, I think, is going to be amazing. Is like you apply this to your internal processes. Not only you have the entire solution and the packages or node node modules that your solution is going to use, but here's the environment dependencies that are included with this solution. Um, now, if you don't want to use dev containers, it's fine. You can continue opening it directly in your machine as a local yep. uh, container or local solution. But if you just want to kind of, I don't know, I need to do a quick fix on this web part or I need to just test this, this sample, I can actually do that and yep. have multiple versions of Node running on my machine at the same time. Well, not in your machine. Well, kind of, but not yeah. really. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's whatever magic it does behind the scenes. Like, if I want to have, you know, an SPFX 1.4 and an SPFX 1.12 and 1.14 open at the same time on different versions of Node, I can do that. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. I guess the the so moving on the on the dev containers and even the whole container and the the model. Um, this 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 adaptation a challenge of uh, adaptation for people to kind of understand the virtualization technique and and I we tried this at some point with Docker and people were not really super interested because mm -hmm. again there's to some level of a let's say abstraction understanding what black happens. magic well it is partly a black magic it's it's one of those things like I don't it's understand just a what's VM. happening here I'm not gonna it's yeah, just a it's VM. just a I know I know but I, I, that's the one thing what we need to of course. Uh, 
be thoughtful uh, is to explain the simplicity and what it is. Because if we think about this, always reminds me on coming back on early days of Windows Azure, not Microsoft Azure, when it was called the Windows Azure. Um, we basically had everything as PaaS services, so PaaS services, mm -hmm. platform as a service services, and Amazon actually beat us with IIS because Azure didn't have it. Amazon had it. And what needed to be happened is basically introduced back to IIS so that the on-premises yeah. computers and customers would be able to adapt IIS model in the cloud so that they can understand, oh, now it's a VM, it's, it's an operating system. Okay, I get it. And then they have a readiness to understand the next step, which is basically the pass level pass, and yeah, the, the yeah. developer um, isolation of that. And that's one of the biggest challenges what we all the time have in IT, which is we talk kind of the same language, but not necessarily because the mm -hmm. previous yeah. experience and knowledge is different. So talking about dev containers, um, I can imagine half of the audience is like, I know what they are, and every single one of them have a and different- they are not. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I, I guess we're getting more and more ready vision. on adapting that, so. Yeah. Hey, I, I was just gonna say, like the one thing that I find really cool about this whole thing is like, if you if you see what we've been doing over the last few months with, even with Sharing is Caring, where we're showing people, hey, you can go to a GitHub repo and you can edit the solution in the repo without opening it locally, right, in the browser. Yeah. And how to do pull requests and, and all that stuff, all web-based without doing anything. And now we're yeah. talking about running the entire solution without ever downloading it on your machine. Yes. Like the, the future is awesome. Think about all yeah. these customers that have, let's say in a banking industry, for example, where they can't install anything on their machine. Uh, but how are they expected to develop? Time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. So I think so, I think the opportunity there is is huge. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. To create. And, I, and it like 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 concluded. Uh, it's just I guess we're heading towards a time frame where the most of the people are understanding what this means in practice. So therefore, the adaption is there. So people are kind of ready to adapt that rather than like like something like Kubernetes or whatever. And it's like I. Sounds cool. I have no idea what that is, but um, but you need to have a some blockchain. level of an understanding uh, of what is a blockchain. <laughs> why does it actually matter? Mm -hmm. So getting the maturity of community on the right level, and then we can again do a big leap forward as the as the developer community. So, and I'm pretty sure that already today a lot of partners are using uh, Docker oh, yeah. as their machines. Yeah. But now we're kind of trying to make it immediately available then from the GitHub, which is awesome. But to understand the value, right, and to adopt something, you need to, well, to adopt something, you need to understand the value. That's the thing. Yeah. So what's in yeah. it for me? Why should I do this? Right? And that's that's the thing that we're trying to do now is let's make it easy for you to actually use this if you, yeah. if you need to. Um, and then you can reapply the same pattern to your own infrastructure, your own solutions. But yeah. you don't have yeah. to make that leap of faith and go, oh, I don't know how this solution works and everything. Because exactly. like, we're trying to take that and we're trying to lower that thing. I guess it's, you know, if we go back to that whole conversation about, it's about creating kind of a secure, controlled environment where people can do yeah. their job while still empowering them to to be able to to make a difference. It's just instead of using the Power Platform, we're now using, you know, dev containers and, yep. and things like that. But, yep. yeah, we're coming to the whole that's, circle. Exactly. And, and that's that's where the community is in its purest or in its best, which is all about empowering other people in the community. So making other people, helping other people to succeed in their work and helping other people to be successful um, and building stuff. Uh, regardless, is it a Power Apps, is it an SPFX, is it a C Sharp? But that's where the power of the community is for sure. So, and this absolutely helps. Now, what's the status of this? So, is it already available? Is it somewhere? When, in other words, when? when? It's, it's already available. <laughs> uh, I We've been going through from like starting with the latest version of SPFX samples, going all the way down to Wildex version of the SPFX sample. And so we've been actually uh, adding containers to all this. Now I'll be known across the world as the person <laughs> with the right. oldest SPFX sample. There you go. You can know me for uh, many things. <laughs> so we're adding containers to every samples, but it's actually happening. It's live now. You can start using uh, dev containers for your, your samples. And we'll be demoing it on this uh, upcoming Thursday call. 
on the depending on when you're watching or listening the video, yeah. of course. But that's but right. Still, so <laughs> <That's right>. click <laughs> here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and before you do that, or remember to subscribe. No. Um, <laughs> but wait, if you subscribe now, you will get not one, not two, but three containers, and there is more. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, now, um, I guess from a timing perspective, I guess we need to start closing in. And uh, thank you, Hugo, for this one. Um, anything interesting what you're doing other than other than that this week? Any anything interesting? Let's go do a weekly summary or final conclusions or sparks of mind. Uh, uh, so doing a <laughs> large hackathon with uh, one of the largest government uh, customer right now, which is interesting if you think about it. Government, which is not known for necessarily always wanting to innovate, and hackathon where they're saying, "Hey, we want to do some crazy new things." And I just love the energy people that are saying, "Hey, we want to serve our constituents better. Are there new technologies that we can use to do this?" So that's one of the things we're working on. Also, getting ready for the uh, M365 collaboration conference. I'm doing uh, three workshops and five sessions. At the same wow. time. At the, at the, well, yes. I hope that I can be at the same time. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah. So that's the one which is in April in Las Vegas, right? In April in Las Vegas. Yeah. And then uh, I'm pretty sure we're if we're traveling, we're we've got a few sessions in uh, Scotland, Germany, places like that. But. I'm not holding my breath right now, or maybe I am. Traveling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a good holder holding on your breath. <laughs> That's right. I, I will breathe in and breathe again in six months. <laughs> That's right. I can't wait to Ooh. be able to get back to you know in-person events and things yeah. like that. We did it in December. Uh, is it December? Yeah, December, yes. November, in Las whatever Vegas, it was, yeah. in Las Vegas. It was, it was 2021. <laughs> it was amazing to see people and to see that people actually have legs, right? Um, that yes. was that was a yeah. Um, and uh, but I, I'm really looking forward to the April event. I think it's hopefully we're all going to be in that in that energy of let's just start rebuilding the community, being in person again. Yeah. 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 Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And obviously, as we do that, we're not going to shut down anything virtual stuff either because it's it's really important from a diversity and inclusion perspective so for those people who cannot travel or their employees don't actually give them the money to travel on, on sites. So there has to be yeah. alternative options. But I, I guess the past two years, that's that's the, one of the blessings within this past two years is that we learned to do this remotely as well. And now heading to this hybrid mode, after the two years, hopefully, crossing fingers, it, it's starting to look a bit, a bit better. So maybe in six months, we're, uh, we're in Depending where you look, to be honest, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> crossing finger. I, I guess we've heard about it starts looking better quite a few times in the past two years as well. So. Exactly. And then <laughs> I it's think not the, right. the challenge with, uh, if you think about in-person events, right, they're localized usually. So making sure that, that the schedule suits everybody that's easy yes. because everybody's in person everybody's in the same time zone but the one thing that we've had to adapt to with remote events or online events was we got people from all over the world attending yep. these calls and uh, so the one thing i think that we've learned especially in the sharing and scaring sessions is mm -hmm. that the sharing and scaring is about hands-on let's do you know let's configure your workspace together. Let's do your first GitHub pull request together. So it's in person and we do multiple calls a day. But what we've started to do is record small videos where people can actually just watch those videos at their own yep. pace, at their own. Uh, and we're not trying to do our long videos. We're trying to do mini videos just to yep. try to get the concept going. So yep. uh, I think that's a, a lesson learned that we need to continue even when we go back in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Waldek, what's on your table? Let's do a quick roundup and then close up. So. Um, so I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to see if we can improve the uh, developer experience for Angular devs who want to build apps for Teams, right? Because cool. at Microsoft, like we focus internally on React. Community is embracing React 
a lot as well. But there are also other frameworks, among which Angular. And we think that, like over the, the course of years, they had, there have been many tons of lines of line of business apps built in Angular. Yep. So why not have the ability to to expose these apps in Teams, right? So what would the the uh, developer experience look like? How can we tie into the experience an Angular developer has building an Angular app? Yep. In context of Teams, with all the things like AAD average, deploying, building Teams, and deploying the Teams manifest to Teams, and so forth and so on. So, with all that, how would that fit into the, as it's called, the inner loop? So basically, the uh, the process developers follow to build the app. How we can combine these two? Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Now, on my side, quickly, uh, 1.14 is coming quite soon, SharePoint Framework 1.14, with a lot of, lot of new updates and the templates and all of that project templates are going uh, renewed. So that means that all of the existing tutorials will go through and uh, a rewriting and all of that. So what to be actually done on the doc side uh, this week, because we promised that we'll ship it in mid-February. Uh, so let's see if we can hit a Valentine's Day gift uh, for the community. So, Ooh. That would be my wife is going to be happy. Week, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hugo is away. So, if we <laughs> share it in February 2014, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you need to focus on, on it in 14. So. <laughs> but it's What's a new version. What's this thing? It's a weather web park, but it's built in 114. <laughs> yes. Happy Valentine's nice. Day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's it's in, it's in container. Come on. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> you don't have to install it on your machine. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> cool. Uh, I guess it's time to close up. So thank you, Huga, uh, for joining. Really good discussion uh, and awesome to see the, the container work. It, it looks really, really, really cool. And, and it's going to help a lot of thousands and thousands of developers and making their life easier. So thank you for driving that. And Walek, uh, I guess we'll jump on the article side of the house. So let's let's go through them uh, and close up the call. But thank you for Hugo. having me. Bye. Absolutely. Thank you, Hugo. Cool. So welcome back with the with the interview with Waldeck. No, just kidding. Thank you, Hugo, uh, for, for, join, for joining us on the discussion today. Really good discussion, um, and and the stuff the simplified the, the the testing and development is just spot on. It's it's just what we should be doing. So, um, in the I think we've been talking about the code spaces and making this happen for a while, but now we can actually really see. It can be actually done, which is pretty really cool. I mean, and it is like with everything else. It's about everything being in place, maturity of technologies that we have available, and then it just being the right time to do it. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Finding the right time uh, so that people can accept or understand the value as well. So, absolutely. Yep. Cool. Anyway, so let's jump on the articles. So last week uh, was the last of the month articles from the Microsoft Teams and SharePoint. So these are really, really good articles related on what's always new as a monthly summary. And they basically walk through all of the new features and capabilities and all of that stuff. And so, so much innovation and so much new features coming out uh, in many, many, many uh, forms and, and devices and whatever. The Teams is just exploding, which is really, well, Teams isn't exploding. That's the wrong way of saying that. Right. <laughs> uh, evolving, not exploding. Evolving. It's very, very close. <laughs> That's pretty close. English is so hard, yeah. you know. Now, the, the <clears throat> next one, I'll let you talk about this a bit. So, Exactly. So another end of month article, in this case, a podcast episode from Mark Ashman, which is the uh, SharePoint Pit Stop. SharePoint Roadmap Pit, pit Stop, is that? Yes. In which he gives the latest updates about SharePoint new features, new releases, and again, great summary from, from Mark about what's new in SharePoint. 
a lot of lot of cool stuff and capabilities and features. And this also includes, uh, for example, uh, in the creation of uh, workflows to the Power Automate, which is a really really cool feature. That's by the way to interview uh, with uh, Yokish. Yokish is is all about that one. His principal PM behind of that feature and a few others. And there's a lot of lot of Microsoft lists, uh, Viva features, and all of that getting listed here as well. So really really cool stuff. A lot of lot of innovation and new features. Now, the next one uh, is from Nick Charlebeau. So Microsoft uh, Craft Data Connect deploying Azure Synapses Analytics. So basically, as we're exporting the Microsoft Craft Data, uh, which is a massive amount of data in the Data Connect side, uh, we can then use the Azure Synapse, uh, Synapse Analytics for analyzing that. And he walks through uh, basically the deployment step for doing that uh, as a step-by-step guidance. And then there's a complementary article, which is this one. Exactly. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if you if you combine, I I'd assume since since it's a set, you would do them both. You don't. It's okay. Fine, it's okay. Fine. So if you export I'll, I'll multiple sets, how do you put them together into one? Right. Yes. So this article builds up on the uh, previous one, showing you this additional case when you have multiple data sets. How do you bring them together into one? Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool stuff. Um, and this is that's a massive amount of data and manipulation and that. And it's actually, um, I've seen internally, uh, it's called Cosmos, which we're using, which is which is somewhat ideas which are now transformed to be in the Azure in multiple different services when you're manipulating petabytes and petabytes of data. So really, really cool stuff. Now, uh, Ica had a new blog post related on learn from the community. Microsoft Teams a mobile online learning solution. And this is a new series What she is starting on every single Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time. There's a video and a blog post uh, scheduled, uh, which just talks about the different scenarios from a community perspective. And, perspective. and this is the first video. Uh, and there's a, a storyline and a discussion related on solution, whether using Microsoft Craft and, and with the gathering student information, participation fees and all of that stuff. So really cool video on, on how to build stuff in Microsoft 365, this case in education scenarios. And more to become on that one. Then we had a breaking change. Exactly. We have a breaking change in the preview Microsoft Graph API. So again, no no breaking change on the V10 endpoint. This yep. is a breaking change in the beta endpoint. And in this case, the one of the APIs for e-discovery, right? So um, check out the post for more info about what has changed and if that impacts your code or not. And then we also had a breaking change on the add to review set action in the Microsoft Graph for e-discovery. So similar kind of story again on the beta time uh, endpoint, not in the production. Uh, as, as all of the feature crews are getting ready to get their stuff shipped, then that means that there are adjustments and naming changes and all of that stuff. So, which is good. And then we had something new. Exactly. We had a new version of the Microsoft Graph Toolkit version 2.3.2. Microsoft Graph Toolkit is the, you could say, the easiest way to connect your app to Microsoft 365, right? It takes away all of the plumbing, all of the auth, allowing you to focus on building your app and showing the data that's coming from Microsoft Graph that you pull in in your app. And there is new version of that available since last week uh, with enhancements, improvements, new things. So definitely check it out. Give it a try. And we'd love to hear from you. What else would you like to see us improve, add to it, and so forth, and so on? Yep, really, really cool. Uh, great, great, great stuff from that team. Then there's a new uh, podcast uh, from M365 of Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast by Paul Shufflin and Jeremy Fake. Uh, with, and they will ha- they had an interview and discussion with Juan Baldmori, and he's a, a long-term uh, program manager in the Outlook side of the house, so basically building office silence and scenarios on those. <laughs> and they have a nice discussion on what's the latest on that area. And then... We move to the community. Yeah, then we had an article. Yes, we have a community article from Cedar Agassia about how to call and show graph API data in SharePoint framework adaptive cards extensions. So these are the things that you would build in for Viva connections, desktop and mobile. And Cedar shows how you can show data from graph. This is a kind of a classic scenario on, on the latest emails which have arrived on your inbox. Um, it's, it's one of those, well, will you use 10 to 8 or will you actually just open up an Outlook on your mobile? But again, 
uh, it's it's just a connectivity demo to the graph and to show how easy it is to do. Then we had a blog post from Kasper Boo Larsen, don't pay more for SharePoint storage than you have to, which is all about the, the number of versions. Uh, so the same applies actually in SharePoint Online, so you need to be careful about the versioning history and version of versioning options. Uh, classic challenge in on-premises from a storage perspective. Yeah. Then we have an article from Shrusti Shah. It's about Microsoft Forms as a tab in Teams using Graph API in Power Automate. So it's a multi-cloud scenario that combines Power Platform with Teams and, and Forms. It's a really great way to show like how you can tie them together to have this easy, accessible, and in, interactive form. Really cool. Then we had a, a awesome blog post from Vartan from Valo Solutions related on working with the Microsoft Graph Communications API in Microsoft Teams meeting app and, and really great story and, and well, borrowing some graphics from the Microsoft side as well on how do we do that integration and how do we integrate with the bot framework and, and do that in the code and, and build engaging experiences with that setup. So really, really cool stuff. Thank you, Vartan, on that. And then something free. Yes, then in February this year, we will have, or you will have, a free SharePoint sign design training from no one less than Laura Rogers. Check out her site for more info about where and when and how. Yeah, excellent. Then we had a blog post from Abby, uh, uh, Shuffle and Array with Power Automate. Uh, he actually did a uh, community call demo on this one uh, last week as well. So basically, how do we shuffle an array and randomize results on that uh, in Power Automate? Really, really cool stuff, so for sure. And then Chris O'Brien had a new blog post. Yes, yeah, so Chris has been having serious about SharePoint syntax and how, what you can do with it, how does it apply, how, how it works and so forth. And now he has a great post that underlines or explains five real world tips regarding syntax and how you work with that, how you apply it in practice. Definitely check it out. Yeah, I think the real-world scenarios and real-world tips are always really good to have. Then we had a blog post from Sergey, uh, building a proxy provider for SharePoint Framework and Microsoft Craft Toolkit. Uh, so really kind of a deep diving on the Craft Toolkit usage scenarios inside of the SharePoint Framework. So really, really cool stuff from him. Then AC had, Andrew Connells had a new blog post. Yes, exactly. So we have new article from AC about Gulp, how you use Gulp in SPFX, what, is, what are the do's and don'ts, and how do they impact you when you switch between different versions of SPFX? If you do, definitely check it out because it might save you some of the headaches that you would have otherwise. I actually ran into this one a while back as well, but good that somebody's blocking it. Use about, Docker. So that's really good. Use, so use Docker. Docker is the solution, yes. <laughs> then on the recording 365, Lorian Strand had a migrating planner board to list. And this cool scenario, because you could actually have quite complex scenarios also in the Microsoft lists uh, to managing your tasks. Um, so it's up to you which you want to use. And, and he talks about how do you can transition and those options over there. Then we had a video from Giuliano De, Luca. Giuliano De Luca. Yes, exactly. About how can you add a like and dislike button in SharePoint lists? So we've seen a lot of improvements to lists over the last uh, weeks, months. And now we have this another case, like how can you add dislike and like options to lists, which are a great way to track interest. Uh, anything Whatever. else regarding like how can you vote you know on yep. things in your list absolutely really good stuff thank you juliana on that one and two more videos so paula had a new video related on working with sharepoint online libraries and files with microsoft Craft. so really really cool stuff from him and these are great short to the point videos from paula so thank you for that one and then april dunnan uh, had a great video last and not least Yes, last but not least, video from April Dunham about how can you personalize Power Apps or how can users personalize Power Apps in colorblind mode, which is a really great thing to think about even uh, when you think think about making apps that really work for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really cool stuff. Now, uh, let's actually close that one. We already went through what's going to happen in this week. So just to speed up the time, I guess it's time. How about we're going to see what's going to come the next week? Another yes. episode of PMP Weekly. <laughs> that is true. Remember PMP hashtag, PMP Weekly hashtag uh, to tag your blog posts so we now understand what's happening. And 
see you again next week or listen or audio. Anyway, so later. <laughs> see you, everybody. Bye. Bye.